Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Today we're in uh, part two of a series that we're calling The Unsaved Christian. And some of you may hear that and you go, what in the world is an unsaved Christian? I have no idea what that is. Well, we began last week by defining an unsaved Christian as somebody who claims to believe in God, but they live as if God doesn't exist. They, they believe in God. They claim to be a Christian, but yet they live as if God doesn't exist, as if he's not the leader and the Lord of their life. If you were with us last week, we talked about um, those who believe in God but don't know him personally. We said there, there are some people who claim to believe in God, but yet they just don't know him. They don't know him at all. Um, but yet there are also many people, um, maybe even some in our room today or, or they were here last week, many people who, who say, I believe in God and I know him, but they don't know him well. All right? and, and there were some action steps for those people last week. But last week, we kind of ended with this challenge for all of us. We hope that we landed at that third place of, I believe in God and I know him intimately and I serve him wholeheartedly. What does it look like? To live that kind of life. And so if you missed last week's uh, message, I'd love for you to go back on our website. You can watch the video or catch up with the podcast. Well, today's going to be a, a serious talk uh, as we dive into a pretty serious subject as we talk about those who believe in God but do not fear Him. You see, there are those people who believe in God but yet they don't fear Him with a, a holy, reverent fear Scripture calls us to. Um, last week, we started with that statistic that three in four Americans, according to surveys, three in four Americans believe in God. 75% all right, of people in the United States, they believe in God. But I think we could all agree that three in four people don't live lives according to the teachings of God and His Word. You see, there's a lot of people who believe in God, but yet they don't fear Him. They don't live with a reverent fear of God. Last week, we kind of subtitled the talk, um, Cultural Christianity, those people who believe in God but don't know Him. So today, I'm kind of subtitling the talk, Customized Christianity. Customized Christianity. We believe in God, but we're going to take the parts of God that we like and kind of leave out and reject the rest because we don't really fear God. You see, we in many ways have customized um, Christianity. I'll kind of use this as an example. How many of you remember when there was really only three flavors of ice cream? It was vanilla, it was chocolate, and it was strawberry. Anybody willing to kind of confess that was you? Okay. Man, it was like the holy trinity of ice cream. Like you could go, you could go vanilla, you could go chocolate on Tuesday, and strawberry if you got really crazy on Wednesday, right? That was it. Like that, that was all that there was. And we thought, or as far as we knew, that was as good as it gets, okay? Vanilla, chocolate, straw. What else do we need, really? And then, oh, and then Baskin Robbins showed up on the scene, all right? And just, just exploded our ice cream brains with not three flavors, but how many? 31 flavors. Some of it we thought, we saw that, we're like, clearly that's a misprint. Like, they didn't mean the one because there's not 31, right? And there's 31 different flavors. And you could walk in, right? You know that? You could walk in, take the little pink sample spoon. You're like, hey, can I try a little bit of that, all right? And you could sample 31 different ice cream flavors, all right? And then walk out satisfied just from the samples. Okay, don't do that. Don't do that, but, but uh -huh, I know who you are. Okay, but like, man, there was no longer like this just single option of just these three, but now, man, it was customized. There was 31 different flavors to choose from. You pick what you're feeling today. And, and now we, we've customized almost everything as a culture. 
If you hop online, you can see all sorts of customs. You can get your own custom shoes, like your own custom sneakers. Those are some pretty sweet kicks you got on. Yeah, well, they got my initials on them because they're custom made for me. Um, you Look it up. You can even customize toilet paper. I don't know why you need to, but I'm just saying, some people have done that. You can do it. Pay to have it done. You, hey, you can even customize your own bobblehead doll of yourself, okay? If you're just feeling it, like you just, you're just standing there like that, all right? You can pay for it. In fact, next week, all right, next week at the exchange is Pastor Josh Jordan bobblehead week, okay? So the first hundred people to worship are going to get, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. We're not doing that. We're not doing that, all right? Hey, hey, think about it. You, you could even customize today in our world, you can even customize your own potential boyfriend or girlfriend, right? Match.com, and you hop on there, and you're like, yes, I would like, I would like a man who reads poetry and likes old movies and travels and serves the poor while he rides on horseback with candlelight. Yes, all right, all right. And six foot one, 175, could I have him by Friday, right? You can do it, man. You can customize just about anything in today's world. And, and our restaurants, what have they done? Like, they've taken it to, like, a whole new level. Anybody heard of this little place called Sonic? Okay. Some of you, like, you, you have stock in Sonic. You go there so much, you literally keep our Sonics alive. We're grateful for you, okay, so that I can experience happy hours sometimes. You every day, okay? I don't know if you've looked this up, but Sonic, okay, known for their what? Drinks, slushes, and their ice that we all enjoy. Sonic now offers, you ready for this? Over 168,000 different combinations of drinks. 168 because we need that many, right? Okay, 168,000 different combinations. They'll customize it however you want it. And Starbucks, oh, come on, somebody with some Starbucks. All right, any coffee drinkers in the house? All right, my, my wife is a huge coffee drinker. Me, not at all, okay? I, I, give me a Coca-Cola, I don't want coffee. Actually, I refuse to order her coffee at Starbucks because I don't understand it, all right? I don't get it. Like, she looks at me, and she's like, yeah, babe, well, here's what I would like to have. I'd like to have this, you know, customized latte, grande, soy, half this, whipped cream on top, drizzle this, put that. And I'm like, speak English to me. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Coca-Cola, right? But you know what? They'll give it to you however you want it. Will they not? They'll customize it just for you. Why? Because we've customized everything. And I think maybe because we live in that world... And because of some other things, man, in so many ways, we begin to customize Christianity. You see, Scripture tells us that God created us in his image, but yet kind of we in return have created God in our image to be what we want him to be. Well, I'll take the love of God, but I don't want any of the wrath of God. And I'll take the mercy of God, but I don't know about all the judgment, Okay. I mean, I'll take the God who brings blessings to my life, but the whole thing, take up your cross, follow me, mm, we're, not, we're not doing that part. Without even realizing it, we begin to customize God to make him what we want him to be. And we go, well, there, there are parts of the Bible that I really like, and like, I love to hear those verses taught on, but like, when you're talking about that, we're not coming that Sunday, right? Because that's not something that, that I want to hear. I, I don't, because I'm the king of my world, and I can customize it how I want it, I don't really want to apply those things to my life. And so we begin to say, well, I love the part of the Bible where it talks about God has a, has a plan for my life, and he wants to bless me and prosper me and bring really, really good things to my life, and he has a plan for my future. But, but man, when he calls the sexual purity, like, mm, not so much. Like, I'm going to do my thing, right? I mean, it's, it's 2019. Who does that anyway? 
Or we say things, well, I, I love the God who says, well, I'll work all things together for good to those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. I like that God. But the God who calls me to manage my money in a way that glorifies him and is generous towards others, yeah, we don't have to do that part. Or we say, well, I love the guy that says he's going to bless me coming in and going out. Yes, Lord, I'm there for that. But nobody tells me what to do with my weekend. They're like, that's, that part's mine. And it becomes a customized Christianity. It's people who claim to believe in God, but yet they don't really fear him. In Psalm 36, David is writing about the sinfulness of humanity. If you know David's story, uh, you know that David would pretty soon find out about his, his own sinfulness. But in Psalm 36, he writes some powerful words. I want us to look at two verses out of that to begin to kind of set up where we're going to go with our, our time today. This is what David said, Psalm 36, verse 1. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. He says this, Sin whispers to the wicked. Deep within their hearts, they have no fear of God at all. And in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. He said, sin whispers, you see that, whispers to the wicked. What do you think it whispers? Well, sin probably whispers like, hey, go ahead, do whatever you want. Right? Like, it's your life, it's not that big of a deal. Like, hey, it's, it's, it's your body. I mean, you make your choices, you're an adult. Hey, don't let them impose their values on you. Like, you're, you're, you're yourself. You do what you want to do. Don't let them judge you. You do whatever you want. It's not affecting anybody else. Make your choice. You see, sin whispers to the wicked. Well, you can believe in God, but just, I mean, don't go overboard. Don't take him too seriously. And Scripture says they have no fear of God to restrain them, to change them, and to conform them into the image of Jesus. And do you see what David said in verse 2? He says, in their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked, they cannot see how wicked they really are. So I want to pose a, a question to us this morning. What if that's talking about us? Like for me, what, what, what if that's talking about me? What if this verse is talking about the majority of people and the way we've customized our own version of Christianity? What if it's saying that we are blind to our own self-centeredness, that, that we don't really have an honest fear of God to restrain us? Like what, what if it's saying that we don't really know how wicked, how wicked we are? And what if it's saying that like maybe you believe in God, but you don't really fear him. You see, I want to I be very careful as we talk about this today, as we talk about the fear of God. Um, and, and here's why I think it's so important to, to be careful as we wrap our minds around this concept is this, because for years, okay, for years, the pendulum kind of swung one way. And, and, and if you walked into a church setting, all right, the, the teaching, the preaching that you might hear was very, man, it was, it was harsh. It was hellfire and brimstone is what we might say. And it was like, man, you better fear God or die. And some of us experienced that. And, and, and maybe we, we walked through that. But then I would say there's, there's been a time, perhaps maybe more recently, where the pendulum's kind of swung the other way. And it lands on this side where we begin to say, oh, no, 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 like that's, no, that's that not, God's a nice guy. All right, and, and, he, and he loves you. you. You can do whatever you want. He loves you anyway. And the pendulum swung really far that way. And so 
And today where I want us to walk is I want us to find this, this healthy balance of the two where we begin to understand what the fear of God really is because we need to be careful because, you see, the justice of God is true, but it's not complete. And the grace of God is true, but it's not complete. See, Jesus came and he spoke with grace and he spoke with truth. And he walked in this reverent fear of the Father. And so for us today, we need to understand his love and live in a very reverent fear of God so that we don't move into this legalism place where it's like, well, you do this or God won't love you. But on the other side, we can't walk into a place of what we might call license, where it's like, well, he loves you, so do whatever you want. You see, so, so what is the fear of God? Like, how do we live that out today? Well, I want to kind of give us a formula. It's not a perfect formula, okay? This is just something that I hope helps us grasp and wrap our minds around today. What does it look like to walk in the fear of God? Not, not this, oh, I'm scared of God kind of fear, but this, man, God, I want to live my life in response to who you are to me. So if you're taking notes, um, you can write this down today. Loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. Loving God plus respecting God equals fearing God. Um, I'll kind of illustrate it this way. When I was in uh, fourth grade, I had the opportunity to play uh, all-star baseball for my kind of like city rec league team. Um, and at that time, my family lived in Brandon, so I wore the black and red and prayed for the Bulldogs. And I know, I know, I know, for all my die-hard Pearl pirates in the room, I know it's hard for you to grasp, like you're ready to kick me out now, okay? But here's what I found. God loves all of us. It's really cool, okay? Red and yellow, black and white, pirates, Bulldogs in his sight. That's all of them, okay? He loves us all. It's good, all right? And, and so, like, it was a lot of fun. I got to play. It was a really cool experience. We played in some different tournaments. I know some of you don't believe me, okay, because you thought I lied to you last week, all right, with the whole Chris Tomlin story. And so I got a picture to prove it. All right, look at this. You guys show him the picture. Look at that strapping young man right there. Is that not good looking? Some of you didn't even know. I've been holding out on you. You didn't know I had that kind of amazing athleticism. And for those of you not baseball folks, like that's, that's perfect form right there, okay? That's, that's it. Like that's one running, one-handed, watch it in the glove. You can't see my eyes because I got my Darth Vader glasses on. All right, but I caught, all right, I'm right there. Now, what you don't know is uh, the ball not pictured actually just went right by me all the way to the fence. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, man, when I played, we had a coach, and, and the coach from an all-star team, his name was, was Bill McGeehee. We called him Coach McGeehee. And, and I don't know how much baseball, like Coach B Bill McGeehee, really played growing up. But when I was in fourth grade, in my mind, he knew everything about baseball, right? He knew everything. And so we, we listened to everything that he said. He never hollered at us. But he always demanded our respect. And, and man, everybody always listened. I remember one game, and we're out in the field, top of the first. We're, we're in the field first. And, man, we gave up in like a million runs, all right, top of the first inning. And we're going, it's over already. Why do we even need to go bat? And so we're going to the dugout. We finally got three outs like an hour later. And he gathers all of us outside the dugout. And he, like, starts telling us this motivational story of this team who came back and won from behind. He probably made it up. But, like, we're buying it. Okay, we're fourth graders. All we know is, like, this is it. Okay, so we're in hook, line, and sinker. We start, like, chest bumping each other. We're coming back. We're going to win. We didn't. We didn't win. We didn't come back and win. But, but you know what? I respected Coach McGeehee as my baseball coach. I did, man. He, he demanded respect on the field. But at the same time, you know what? I loved Coach McGeehee as a man because he unapologetically loved Jesus. And he let that be known to our team. He didn't hold back. Man, he, he prayed with us before the game and after the game. 
He always talked to us, and he reminded us, man, he goes, guys, man, following God's way bigger than baseball. Baseball's fun, but, man, God matters for your life bigger than baseball. And, and he loved all of us like we were his own sons. And now, 25 years later, I can confidently say that I respected Coach McGeehee as my coach, but I loved him as a man and as a father figure over my life on the baseball field. You see, I respected him and I loved him as a man in authority over me. And ultimately, I live with this reverent fear of my coach. Now, you take God and you multiply that times a gazillion because he's not human as we are. And we begin to understand that respect for God plus love for God equals the fear of God. It equals the fear of God. When we didn't deserve it, God loved us. We love him literally because of who he is, right? because of what he's done. Scripture says while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us in the sin. It's not just the action that he does. He loves, but it is literally who he is. He's the origin of love. So we, we say, God, I love you because of who you are and what you've done, but I respect you, all right? as sovereign and authority over my life. I love you as a heavenly father, but I respect you as a consuming fire. I, I love you as a God who's full of grace, but I respect that you're, you're a righteous judge who calls me to holiness. I love you, and I desire to have a relationship with you, but I respect you because your word says that your ways are higher than my way. Your thoughts are higher than, than my thoughts. You may ask me to do some things that are not comfortable to me. You may ask me to do some things that maybe wouldn't be my choice. But you know what? Because I love you and because I respect you and because I fear you, I will choose to honor you. Now, tragically, in the world today, we get this approach of like, oh, I don't want to serve a God that i got to fear. <laughs> I want to follow a God I'm afraid of. Isn't he supposed to be loving? Isn't that what we read? Isn't that what we say? And the truth is that what we don't understand is that fearing God is a good thing. Scripture says it's a, it's a righteous thing. And that when we walk and live with the fear of God, there's blessings and purpose that God brings to our life. Proverbs talks all about it. One of the books in the Bible talks all about it. I want to give you just, just three verses from Proverbs. You can write these down. Proverbs 9.10 says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. In other words, where does wisdom start? It starts by loving and respecting God. That's where wisdom starts. You want to be wise? You want to make a difference at your job? You want to make good decisions with your family? Fear of the Lord, beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 14, 27 says it this way. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life turning a person from the snares of death. I just imagine this, this picture of this holy fear, just reverent for God, just gushing out a person, just pulling them away from the snares of death, the, the things of this life that would hold them back. It takes you from that which destroys you, and it brings you into the blessings of God for you. Fear of the Lord. Love plus respect equals fear. And then Proverbs 22.4 in the New Living says this way, true humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. See, the fear of the Lord is not something that, that we run from and think, oh my goodness, like God's out to get me. No, but instead we step into it thinking, God, I, I love you. 
And you've given me access to you through Jesus. I can now come to you in prayer directly to your throne. And you hear me as a good dad. I love you and I respect you, God. I respect you because you've given me mercy. You've given me grace, relationship that I did not deserve. And loving God plus respecting God means that I will fear God. And then I want you to write this down. When I fear God, I will obey God. When I fear God, I will obey God. In my opinion, one of the greatest stories in all of Scripture that talks about this, when I fear God, I will obey God, found in Genesis 22. It's a story maybe some of you are familiar with, but man, as a dad, it's so hard to wrap my mind around it. It's a story of a man named Abraham. You see, Abraham literally prayed for decades for a son. God, give me a son. God, give me a son. Some of you have been praying for months or years. Abraham prayed for decades. And he waited. God, give me a son. God, give me a son. You know what God does? God comes through just like he said he would. And he gives Abraham a son by the name of Isaac. And Isaac is growing up to be a young man under Abraham's leadership. And what happens? God comes back to Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to bring me your son Isaac and I want you to sacrifice him to me. And Abraham, because he loved God, because he respected God, because he feared God, he obeyed. And you know the story. He takes Isaac and he walks him up the mountain. I can't imagine that as a dad, knowing what's coming. And he lays his son on the altar, straps him down, and he raises the knife above his son, his only son, his greatest human desire, the thing he'd prayed for for years. He raises that knife in obedience. And in Genesis 22, we read where an angel of the Lord stops Abraham. And the angel says this. Look at Genesis 22, verse 11. It says, But the angel of the Lord called out to him, to Abraham from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham's like, here I am. The angel says, Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Look at it. Now I know that you fear God. Now I know that you fear me. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And just says, now I know that you love God. There's no question you respect him. Now I know that you fear God because when you fear him, you will obey him. See, here's the the second big truth for today is this. The greatest evidence of the fear of God is complete obedience to God. The greatest evidence of the fear of God in your life and mine is complete obedience to him. Do I really have the fear of God? Are you walking in complete obedience to him? It's not partial obedience. It's not like, I'll do part of that thing you called me to, God, but not the whole thing. It's not delayed obedience. Well, I know you called me to it, and I'm going to get there. Promise. It says that it's whole, surrendered, immediate, cheerful obedience to God. Yes, God, I trust you. Therefore, I will follow you. I'll do whatever you say, God. See, the greatest evidence of the fear of God is complete obedience to God. I read a quote uh, this week from a pastor uh, named Ray Pritchard, and I kind of adapted it just a little bit um, to put it this way, to to resonate with this truth today. So here's um, my version of, of his quote. Here's what it says. Look at it on the screen. The fear of the Lord is an ongoing attitude of my heart that moves me to choose over and over again 
to obey God when it would be easier to do something else. What's the fear of God? It says it's, it's, a, it's a surrendered posture of my heart, of my life, that, that over and over and over again chooses obedience, even when it would be easier to choose something else. You see, that, that's not customized Christianity. Well, I believe in God. I'll take this part, but not that. That's, that's a wholehearted, cheerful, instantaneous surrender. God, I love you. You've got to respect you. Therefore, I fear you. And I'll obey, no matter what. Unfortunately, today, we see and we experience and we live much of the opposite. We live a customized version of Christianity. Hey, well, I'll serve you, God, at church on Sunday, but I'm going to keep sleeping with my boyfriend and my girlfriend. See it all the time. Well, God, yeah, God, I want to follow you. I believe in you, but I, I'm not going to stop looking at porn because that's just kind of how I deal with my, like, those feelings, those emotions. Like, you know, you get it probably, God. Yeah, God, I, God, I promise, like, I'll follow you, but I'm not going to tithe. Like, it's, come on, it's my money. There's bills that got to be paid. It's tied at the house. I can't trust you with that part. Well, God, yeah, man, I'll, I'll show up to church on Sunday. I'll be there every now and then, but I'm not going to surrender my whole life to you. Like, that's a little much, God. That's ridiculous. This life is short. I only got so long. I'm an adult. I'm going to make some choices. In other words, I believe in God, but I just don't fear him. This is a modern-day tragedy that in our culture we now pass off as Christianity. But in essence, it's, Something really very far from truly following Jesus. Now, I don't want the pendulum again to swing all the way over here to legalism, all right? Do it or die. But also don't want it to swing all the way over here to license. Well, he loves you, so do what you want. You see, I want to say because of God's goodness, I will serve him with my whole life. Because of the grace of Jesus to me, my only reasonable response is to love him as my good dad, to respect him as sovereign Lord, and then in that, I fear him, and I follow, and I obey, no matter what. Now, all of this kind of leads to this moment right here, okay, a, a moment of application, um, every time that I lay out something before you, I always want to get to the place of application. How does it apply to our life? I've heard it said that information without application never leads to transformation. I mean, I mean our goal is to be transformed right, into the image of Jesus more and more. So here, this moment right here is where the truth that you've heard today, the fun the not so fun, the truth, the grace, this is where it lands on your life. As a student, as a single parent today, as a married couple, as a grandparent, this is where it lands on you in your world. And by the power of God's spirit, you live this out. Okay? So here's the question that I want you to wrestle with, just you and God right here. In what area of your life are you not fearing and not obeying God? Pretty simple, but yet so extravagant. In what area of your life right now as a student, as a mom, as a dad, as a spouse, what area of your life right now are you not fearing and not obeying God?
Okay? And then here's the, here's the action question with that. And what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And if you say, eh, nothing, let's just call it what it is. Well, I believe in God. I just don't really fear him. See, I believe that God can do a work in us, that he wants to do a work in us. I mean, I, I believe that you love God. Man, we, when we stand and we declare it, right? I believe you do. And I believe when, when you sit and remember and you think about God and his sovereignty, I believe you respect him. Therefore, and Scripture says when we love and we respect him, it walks us to fear of him, a holy, reverent fear, which then produces what in us? Complete obedience. The greatest evidence of the fear of God in our life is complete obedience to him. So I don't know what this is going to look like for everyone, but I do know that everyone is called to obedience. All of us. So there's probably somebody in here today or listening online and you're, you're living with a boyfriend or girlfriend and today God's calling you to move out. Move out or get married. But like, man, we're not, we're not going to walk outside the design of God and his intended purposes. He's the one, man, I respect, I love, I fear, I obey. That's just what God's calling you to. For some of you today, man, there's somebody, maybe many people who are living with an unconfessed sin. I mean, it's haunting you. Like, you can't get away from it. Every day, you're like, man, just put that thing aside. No, it comes back. And today, God's bringing light onto that. And it may not be a real fun experience for darkness to be brought into the light, but when the darkness is brought to the light, you know what there is? Freedom. And today, maybe there's just unconfessed sin, and God today is calling you to, to confess it before him, to be real with him. He knows. He's just waiting on you to be honest. And then maybe it's a call to confess to somebody else. Maybe that's affecting them as well. For some of you today, maybe you're dating a person that you know. You know is not God's best for you. I mean, you've been justifying it. You've been rationalizing it. You've explained it this way. Yeah, but I'm going to be this really good example, and I'm going to bring him up to here. I'm going to bring this really good example and bring her up. And she's all this, and he's all that. Okay, listen to me. But today you recognize, no, this is not God honoring. And maybe today, like, God's calling you to break up with him, like, today. I'm, I'm sorry I just ruined your relationship, but I may have just saved your life. I'm dead serious. Like, you begin to realize, like, this is not God's best for me. And because I love him and because I respect him, therefore I fear him. And I will choose complete obedience to him no matter what. And I'm not going to settle for less than God's best for me. Remember, there's, there's 31 flavors at Baskin-Robbins. Some of you have been living for the chocolate, the vanilla, the strawberry. That's it? Don't settle today. Don't settle for less than God's best for you. For some of you, man, it's the other side. It's, it's, it's the positive side. God's calling you into something today. You, you, you've been denying, following, and doing something that God's called you to. And today he's like, no, man, if you love me, you respect me, you fear me, you obey, man, you'll walk it out. Maybe today God's calling you to start that business that he's been prompting you with for forever so that you can use your, your time, your energy, your resources for his glory. Maybe he's calling you to, to change the way you use your online platform of social media, to begin to use it in a way that speaks truth and life to people. Maybe today God's calling you out to lead a life group. You're like, uh-uh, uh-huh. You got Jesus in you? Perfect. You got something to give back out. Maybe he's calling you to mentor, to step into a life-to-life relationship, to help raise up somebody else who's new to Christ. Maybe today he's calling you 
to, to begin to start serving with gifts and talents that you got. You've been keeping it to yourself, and God's like, you're being disobedient. Walk it out. Maybe today he's going to call you to, to give something to somebody, to be generous. He, he told you to do it a long time ago, but you'd be like, no, 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 no. He's like, uh-uh, this is it. Walk in obedience. Why? Why are you going to do that? Because you truly love him, and I fear him, and therefore I, I, I respect him, therefore I fear him. And I'll walk in complete obedience to him because the greatest evidence of the fear of God in my life is my complete obedience to him. What's the fear of God? Is it scary? No. It's this ongoing posture of your heart and your life that over and over and over again chooses obedience to God even when it would be easier to choose something else. And the reality is we live in a culture that is settled for customized Christianity. I'll take this part of God, but I don't want any of that. But today, God calls us to say, no, that's not me. God, I want all of you. I want all of you. Because I believe that your best is what's best for my life. And I'll follow you. And I'm going to choose to love you wholeheartedly. Everything that I am, mind, soul, body, strength, it's all yours. And I'll respect you because you have all charge. You have all control, sovereignty. You reign. You made me. You created me. You sustained me. I respect you. And therefore, God, I'm going to live this life. It may be counterculture, but I'm going to live this life in a reverent fear of you that leads me to complete obedience. Why? Because God is worthy of us giving everything back to him because he did that for us when he gave us everything he had through Jesus. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.